Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Man, if you're visiting us today, welcome to Legacy Church. This is what it's like. We're, uh, we're a little crazy. We love God, and uh, we also love you. Thank you. We love you very much, and uh, we just want to welcome you if you're, if you're a guest here uh, for the first time. Uh, so do you mind handing me my iPad, please? Uh, or, yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Tony. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Legacy Church. And uh, if you know uh, what we've been doing over the last couple weeks, as you know that last week we launched a brand new series that we're calling, What If Jesus Was Serious? And we're asking the question, what if Jesus was serious about his teachings? Like, what if he actually meant what he said? Some of those teachings are pretty radical. Some of those teachings can challenge us. Some of those teachings can actually change the way we think. And last week we asked the question, what if Jesus was serious about prayer? And today I want to ask the question, what if Jesus was serious about how we pray? Would you open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6? Uh, and we're going to begin uh, reading in the uh, sixth verse, and then I'm going to jump to the ninth verse, and it says this, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father, check this out, who sees in secret will reward you. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, say with me this day, this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil father i thank you for this moment that we get to share together i ask god that as we turn our attention to your word that you would open up our hearts open up our ears open up our minds Lord, to be able to not just receive what you have for us, but to also be able to live this out and walk this out. I pray, Father, for every man, woman, child uh, in this room and online. God, whether they're just beginning their journey of faith, maybe they're just checking things out, or maybe they've been walking with you for a long time, or maybe they're walking with you for a long time and they're stuck. Lord, I pray that this word today would land on fertile ground and that you would make this a personal word to each individual today. You know their needs better than I do. You know our needs better than we know ourselves, God. And so I thank you, Lord, because you're the kind of God that is willing to meet us right where we're at. So we give to you the next few moments, Lord, and we ask that you continue to light our path through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, how many of you guys are grateful for that worship team? That was awesome. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And I know Kevin doesn't like a shout out, but thank you, Kevin. I appreciate, appreciate that, that beautiful, clean tone, you know. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, when, I was, when I was growing up, I, I grew up in a couple different countries. I was born in Brazil, and then I got to spend a couple of years in Guatemala. And in Guatemala, uh, the, the way to get 
hot water is very different than it is here in the United States. Uh, usually the roof of your house has a reservoir that catches rainwater. And when you're taking a shower, you are told as a child that you don't touch the shower head because basically from the roof to the shower head, there's this thing in between that's the water heater. That's literally where the water is heated. And so somebody thought it was a great idea to have electricity right next to water while people are showering. And uh, I, I remember I was probably about seven, eight years old, and my parents had just talked to me. They were, you know, they were good parents that were trying to raise me right, and they had talked to me about the power of prayer. And they had just talked to me about how, you know, when you ask things of God, he'll do it. And, you know, and they're trying to pump up my faith and build up my faith as an eight-year-old. So uh, I promise you this story is not going to uh, go beyond PG, but I, I get into the shower. I, I know some of you already imagined some things, but don't worry, I'm eight years old. I, I'm getting into the shower, right? I get in the shower and, and I go, well, you know, if, um, if prayer is so powerful, if I ask God that for me to not get shocked when I touch this water heater, like, it's going to work, right? Um, how many of you are rebellious questioners that challenge everything like me out there, right? Like, I'm like, I wasn't going to take my parents at their word at the age of eight that prayer had so much power. And so at the age of eight, I prayed as I'm in the shower and I said, okay, God, uh, I'm touching, I'm going to touch this water heater and I pray that it doesn't zap me. How many of y'all know that I learned a very hard lesson that day? Jesus said, uh-uh, this lesson's way more important. And your boy touched that water heater and I was zapped. Also, I have now just explained the state of my mind to most of you. You're like, oh, I get it now. He was shocked as a child. Yes, yes, I was zapped as a child and it explains a lot. Anyway, let's move on from that story. Uh, isn't that how we misunderstand prayer though? Right? I think we misunderstand the power that prayer has because maybe we get our motives wrong or quite frankly, if you're anything like me, you've probably grown up in church at some point or you've heard that prayer is important and you've heard a lot why and where and, and all that, but you've rarely heard how. Right? And, and, and I think the reason why we confuse the power that prayer has and, and what it should do within the life of a believer and a disciple of the ways of Jesus, because we don't know how to go about it. And if you're anything like me, you end up frustrated at times because you think you're going at it and you're praying that God would not shock you when you stick your hand in a water heater and, and you're frustrated when that doesn't happen. And so here's, here's Here's my hope for us today. My hope is as we ask the question, what if Jesus was serious about how we pray, is that you and I would walk away today with a greater understanding of tangible, say with me, tangible, tangible practices that we can apply on a daily basis that I believe are going to change how you and I pray. My first point today as to how we pray is we've got to understand that the who is greater than the how. Wait a minute, Tony, you just said you're going to explain to us how we should pray. And this first point can kind of sound a little contradictory because now you're saying who is greater 
than how. So are you preaching about the who or are you preaching about the how? Well, I am so glad that you asked. Because here's my warning. If you and I don't understand that who we're praying to is more important than how, what, why, where, and even when, then we run the risk of approaching prayer for results more than relationship. I'm going to let that sink in. Prayer is not about the results that I get. It's the relationship that I'm being invited into. And I think the reason why most of us can find ourselves frustrated at times with this idea of prayer is that we pay so much attention to the what, to the why. By the way, it's important. Why should we pray? We, we, it's important to understand all that. But who we pray to is greater than any of these questions. Why? Because he's inviting us into a relationship as opposed to approaching this communication as a form of you and I getting results. What, why, how, uh, where, when, all of that runs the risk of the main focus being results. But our life of prayer should be most focused on relationship and not results. Notice how I didn't say your prayer life. If you've been in church world, you've heard this all the time, this phrase of your prayer life. I think it's I think there's a good um, intention behind that, but I want to reframe it. We shouldn't have a prayer life. We should have a life of prayer. Prayer should be what fuels our life. It shouldn't be a segment of our life. It should be the lifeblood to our life. Without the connection to God the Father and without that communication, you and I have read this time and time again, we can do no good thing. But when we approach prayer as a means to an end to get the results that we want, we're missing the mark. And let me let you in on a quick little secret. The who actually ends up revealing the how to us. Jesus says it this way. The who says it this way in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Check this out. And your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. Let me say it to you this way. We can't just live and do things for God if we don't first live with God. I'm gonna say it again, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We can't live and do things for God if we don't first live with God. If you're anything like me, I want to do great things for God. I do. I want to do great, amazing things for God. But if you're anything like me, my desire to live with him is greater than what I can do for him. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life where the Bible's very clear that some of us might be able to approach God and go, hey, but we casted out demons in your name. Hey, but we healed the sick. In other words, look at all we did for you, God. And he looks at us and he goes, get away from me. I don't know you. The invitation to prayer is not the results and the means to an end. It's an invitation to a relationship where we understand that in order to live with him, I mean, and for him and do things for him, we must first live with him. Yeah. 
Jesus is talking about an intentionality here. When you pray, go into your room. Now, my last point, I'm gonna talk to you about how absolutely there's room for everyone to constantly be talking to God, right? Like as you're driving down the road, talk to God, right? Like pray without ceasing. Like you're dropping off your kid at school tomorrow. It's been two weeks of um, amazing times as a family, right? And, and, and you feel the anxiety well up inside of you uh, because y- you should pray for those teachers because now you know what they go through, right? As you've had your children in your home for two weeks, right? And you can do that. You, you pray for them as you drop them off, as you're driving into work. That's all beautiful. But this particular teaching of Jesus is talking about setting side and a place aside for communion with God. And he's not talking about something that happens by happenstance. There's an intentionality behind what Jesus is teaching us here. Yes, there's room to pray without ceasing. Yes, there's room to constantly be in communication with God. You've heard me say that. You can talk to God. You've heard Sophia say she's wiping counters at our house and talking to God. She's cooking. She's cleaning, right? You're changing diapers, all that stuff. But Where in your life is there an intentionality and a place and a time for you to commune with God who should be the lifeblood of everything that you do? I'm going to say it to you this way. Prayer is the engine room and it is what we do in secret that is now then made known in moments like what we're experiencing today. I want to make this very clear to you because we're establishing culture, vision, and values in this church. And as we enter into a a new season of a church, let me make it very clear to you that the leadership of this house is not more interested in production value than presence value. I want to let you know that, yes, I've got to prepare my sermons. I've got to know how to deliver them well. Yes, we need to have talented musicians that don't cause distractions. But all of what happens here and what your children experience in kids' church should be a result of what we've done in secret with the Lord. I am not just interested in flash. And and guess what? You have found way flashier churches with a better speaker and better music than here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what we're looking for is that everything we do should be driven by the presence of God. The relationship of what takes place behind the scenes, who I am before the Lord when no one else is watching, what my communion with him is like as he speaks to me, as he transforms me, and then what you see in public should be the result of that. What your father sees in secret, he will reward you prayer is the engine room. This is why I made an invitation to the church as a whole to start meeting me here on Saturday nights at eight o'clock. We had about 20 some people here last night. It was beautiful, beautiful time of prayer. I said 30 minutes, almost an hour later, people were finally leaving, right? Because because there's something to be said about preparing the atmosphere for what God is going to do. And the reality is this, Jesus' instruction to his disciples in this, these uh, series of verses, it wasn't an equation of how to get God to do what you want. Right. If you notice, it was an invitation to communing with God. 
Communion begins like this. Let me break it down for you. Pray then like this, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Our Father in heaven, first we must recognize who he is. We must first recognize who he is. He is our father. He is above all things. There is an authority and a comfort in a father. I don't know what your experience with your earthly father has been, but God's design of fatherhood is that. That not only is there authority, but that there is a love, there's a guidance, there's a grace, there's a, I'm walking you through this, I'm looking you eye to eye, we're in this together, we recognize who he is. I'm going to rattle these off because it's only my first point. Number two uh, of, of, this, of this, we recognize his holiness, hallowed be your name. We recognize his holiness. Next, we surrender our will. And this is where I'm probably going to lose half of you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Prayer is not, I'm twisting God's arm to do what I want him to do. It's me submitting my will under his. I get it. I get it. You've probably heard this word submission in church as something that has been abused. But don't let the lie become greater than the truth of what submission really is. Because some of you are missing out on the fullness of God because you refuse to submit your will to his will. And you're okay with giving him parts of your life, but not this. Or you're okay with submitting this part of your life, but until you've answered every single question that I have about this, God, I surrender my will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And as I surrender that will, it now moves into a trust in his provision. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, of course, I know that there could be a sermon in all of these, and I wish I had the time, but let me camp out a little bit on this. If you're anything like me, you want to know what the next five years of your life looks like, right? Well, actually, let, let's, be, let's be brutally honest. I've just, I've relegated it down to like six months. I'm like, God, just give me six months in advance, like, right? Like five years is a little much, a year's unrealistic. Can you, what does the next six months of my life look like? And God's calling us to a daily trust. And rarely will you know what the next six months will bring. And here's the danger and the warning I want to give to you all. We live in a culture that calls it responsibility to plan ahead. I'm not saying don't be responsible with your finances. I'm not saying prepare for the future. But when that is more important than trusting in the provision of God, we've got it wrong. And in this Western culture, we put so much trust in all the great responsible preparation we've done that we forget who provides. And we must, church, we must get this right. Provision comes from he and he alone. What you need that's lasting and that doesn't run out comes from he and he alone. And we've got to learn to trust God. What do you have for me today? What's in front of me right now? How are you going to fulfill the needs today? Uh, And fight the urgency that this culture will tell you that you've got to have it all figured out. 
Because that ain't Bible. Now, again, I I, want to balance that statement. Of course, the Bible tells us to to plan well. And who doesn't first count up the cost before he begins to build? Yes, but that is not greater. Are you hearing me? It is not greater than who? I I hope you're getting what I'm saying here. Let me get all up in your grill a little more. Is that okay? So we trust in its provision. And then here's, here's an art that the modern church has lost. Confessing our brokenness, receiving forgiveness, and then releasing others through forgiveness. Forgive us our debts, and we also will forgive our debtors. Do you realize that this actually begins with a confession that I've got something that needs to be forgiven? And I'm not harping on you. I'm not harping on modern culture, but I am a little bit. (laughs) Because we've lost this spiritual practice of recognizing before God, there are things in my life that I've got to confess. God, I'm coming to you and I'm asking for, this is daily. Like Jesus going, pray like this daily. And it's not a one and done thing. This is how we don't get to maturity. By stunting our growth, when we refuse to confess our sins to him, and and like the book of James says, confess our sins to one another so that we might be healed. And that's where we get in the prayer of a righteous person availeth much within that context of confessing to one another. There's power. And here's what's beautiful about what I'm about to say or what I just said is that he is faithful to forgive. Oh man, isn't that beautiful? I come to him, I confess, I ask for forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive. And if I haven't gotten in your grill enough, let me get up in your grill a little more because here's the other thing we've lost is the ability and the willingness to forgive others. Now, I wanna do an entire series on forgiveness, but let me just say this. Let let me just say this. Forgiveness will never be fair. You ever, those of you parents out there, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to to instruct your kids, right? And they're fighting and you go, go say sorry to each other, but it's not fair, right? And you know how I was raised? I was raised by a preacher. So my dad always had one-liners for me. Well, the cross wasn't fair. Oh my gosh. Right? I'm like, just like, let me have this moment. It's not fair. And he'd be like, well, the cross wasn't fair. But but it's true. Forgiveness will never be fair. Quit trying to make it fair. Quit trying to make it. and And let me just encourage you. You do have the power through the spirit of God operating in you to release yourself and that person. Yes, I get it. Sometimes it's a process. Let me tell you, there's things in my life that are a daily decision to forgive. Absolutely. And and, and I'm telling you, it's not just a one and done thing. This is why I think Jesus teaches us to pray this daily, because guess what? People are going to offer you the opportunity to forgive them daily. And you know what? I got you laughing at that. Thank you for proving my point, because check this out. This is what we do. We're so good at pointing everyone else's faults. And when it comes to us confessing, what happens there? It's so easy 
for me to find fault in my spouse. God, look at the wife you gave me, now fix her. Right? Like, look at the family, and look at what, look at so-and-so, look at my boss, and we lose, hear me, church, we lose the opportunity to be refined into the likeness of Jesus when we focus so much on what we need to forgive of others without the balance of the fact that we need to be forgiven. Next thing that this teaches us, man, this is still my first point. I got to move, is we got to be aware of our propensity to sin. Lead us not into temptation. There's a recognition that we are prone to wander, right? As the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. It's like, y'all ever wake up and just feel that tug, right? It's like, it's like hell is calling you. Okay, some of you don't believe in that. Okay, thanks for deconstructing and not realizing that there is an enemy that is after you. And from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, and even through the night, there is a battle for your soul. And if we can't recognize that we, oh, oh my gosh, I gotta preach this, okay. You can't lead yourself out of temptation. Tell me you can. You've tried for long enough. I can't lead myself out of temptation. And I'm an amazing leader. <laughs> Top notch. High level. Lead us not. God, you lead me out of this. I recognize, God, that in my heart, there is something that pulls me in a direction that I'm not supposed to go. Notice how prayer is not about results. It's about that relationship relying on him. The, the, the final thing that Jesus teaches us here is that then we receive freedom and salvation through he and he alone deliver us from evil. Let me also tell you there's freedom for you. And here's the beautiful thing, is, is communion with him to whom we pray to eventually is going to lead us, hear this, of a filling of who he is and an emptying of who we are. And the great news about this is that now you're not relying on white knuckle striving to look like an extraordinary person. But instead, the unseen, commun the unseen communion with God is what becomes extraordinary in your life. So go ahead, talk to him, relate with him. Second point today, if I don't get to the third one, that's okay. Commune with his word. Let me tell you something that as a pastor, I do get asked all the time, where, where do I start? Where do I begin? Well, I'm glad you asked again. You gotta get into the word of God. You gotta learn the word of God. You've got to internalize the word of God. You've got to meditate on the word of God. And then it's on the tip of your tongue. So when you open up your mouth, that's what you're saying. Jesus, 40 days fasting in the wilderness comes and he's faced by the devil himself and the temptations that the devil's throwing at him. And how does he battle? It is written, Jesus says. Okay. I'm going to say something. I hope you guys get what I'm about to say. Um, Jesus held the ultimate trump card. Yeah. 
because he's God. So if the devil's tempting Jesus, don't you think Jesus had the power to be like, shut up, bro. <laughs> like, don't come at me. But instead, he goes, it is written. If Jesus relied on the word, what makes you and I the kind of people that just don't have time to get in the word? You know, I've never understood this. I really haven't, genuinely. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect or I'm positioning myself above any of you, but I've truly never understood how our culture accepts that when your job dictates what time you wake up, there's no problem with waking up at that time to get to work, but yet you can't wake up 30 minutes early to meet with the Lord. Like, that doesn't compute. Okay, say you're an evening person, not a morning person. I, I don't understand how it's acceptable in our culture that after we eat, put our kids to bed, we have plenty of time to binge watch Netflix and drink whiskey and wine and, and not commune with God. Now, I ain't preaching against alcohol. We'll talk about that later in my series about I, things I wish my pastor would say. Y'all get ready to get really offended in that series. I'll pro- you too can shrink your church in six months. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I repent from that statement. I really do. I'm, I'm sorry. That was not a. That was my insecurity speaking. I'm sorry. I'm, there it goes. So I let the word of God fill my mind. It washes my soul. I meditate on its words. And out of that comes a transformed person. If you're taking notes, I'm going to say it again. I let the word fill my mind. It washes my soul. I meditate on those words. And that meditation transforms the inner man. Why, why is getting into the word of God part of our prayer life? Because whatever you put in is going to eventually come out. And here's what happens. Some of you, what you've put in is already leaking and you have no idea how else to retain it. Some of you, like me, are sick and tired of trying to hold something in and, it's, and unbeknownst to you, it's actually begun to leak. It's actually begun to come out. If something is going to eventually come out, I want it to be the word of God, so I want to input that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, Tony, I don't, I don't really know where to start. I don't know how to read the Bible. I'm glad you said that. Let me give you some quick pointers here. The book of Proverbs has 31 Proverbs. How many days are in a month usually? About 30 to 31, right? Read a Proverbs a day. Hey, heavy revy right there, y'all. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> right? Get into the Proverbs. I, I, I do this. I practice this. I, I read a proverb a day. And, and say what you will, like it's not a formula, but like this is what I like to tell my kids. A proverb a day keeps the stupid away. Because like... <laughs> Because there's wisdom, like Proverbs 1, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, like, right? Like Proverbs 2, and like, I just go on forever, What Proverbs a day. Get into the book of Psalms and find out that you're not the only depressed, anxious person that's ever existed and related with God. Like, you're going to be like, oh, I, I, those homies feel me. Like, I got, I, 
Yeah. And what's beautiful about the book of Psalms is God never leaves those people stranded in, in, that, in that desperation, in that darkness. Okay, if you don't like the Old Testament, just start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It tells of a beautiful story of a beautiful man that came on this earth for you and taught you beautiful things to live out and walk out. Jesus says it this way in the book of John chapter 15. If you abide in me, check this out, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Abide. I remain in God. I remain in his word. His, his word is constantly filling me up because whatever I let in is going to eventually what? Come out. So it's a, proge- it's a progression, right? There's an order to it. I'm with him. I'm with his words. So now his will is in me. It's revealed to me. And then the desires that I have actually begin to align to his desires. So now when I pray, I actually begin to see things change. This is why the book of James warns us, hey, your motives are wrong. That's why your prayers aren't being answered. Motives matter. Our heart alignment matters. This is why I preached on prayer aligns my heart to God last week. Because when I can align my heart to his words, then something begins to shift in who I am. And just like Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. Well, Tony, I just don't have the time. Well, let me say it to you this way. And, and, and I, I, I want to convict you. I don't want to guilt you, okay? Because there's a difference, okay? Like you could walk out of here feeling guilty and that's not the point. Also, don't use guilt and shame as an excuse to not do anything, okay? I will tell you that as well because I'm not guilting, okay? So if, if you're hard-hearted, you're not going to get convicted, okay? And then you're going to use guilt and shame as an excuse to not do it and then you're going to perpetuate the cycle. Anyway, Let me tell you, those of you that are saying, I don't have the time. Well, let me say it to you this way. What's important in your life comes first, always. There's an intentionality behind what Jesus is teaching us. Let me give you, this isn't the marriage uh, series, but let me let you in on a little secret. I, I don't know if you know this, but I have a not perfect marriage. I don't know if you knew that. I know you expect, you know, like El Pastor to have, you know, the, the perfect marriage, but I, I don't. And, and, and we're learning through a lot of things, right? We're growing through a lot of things. But there's a piece in our marriage that we have kept and learned, and that is an intentionality behind connecting over date nights. And, and it's not like the silver bullet, but what Jesus is teaching us about prayer has an intentionality behind the relationship. And let me tell you, your marriage is not going to just by happenstance have date nights where you connect and talk about hard things and look at each other eye to eye. It won't happen by happenstance. Those of you that have raised young kids, say amen to that. Those of you that are in the middle of raising young kids, say amen to that. It ain't going to happen. Like, you're going to have a blowout diaper. You're going to have a sick kid. You're going to have this. The phone's going to ring. The door. You have to set time aside. I'm giving this to you for free, gentlemen. Okay? Your wife is going to love you even more right now. And the wives are like, I'm trying to help you ladies out too. Okay? No? No? Okay. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like my marriage. Why don't you put a date night for me? Right? Like, okay. I'm helping you ladies out then, girls. Like, this is how you love your husband, right? Spouses, this is how it is. We set time aside where our phones are off, where our children are, and let me tell you, 
it's going to take money for a babysitter. Yes, it will. You're going to have to think through where you're going to go eat. You're going to have to, you're, it's not going to be happenstance. And Jesus is teaching us our relationship with God. Also, that was free. Some of y'all should really be grateful. Like, I just saved your marriage. Like, you're going to go home and your wife is going to hug you for longer than 10 seconds. And, and, and then we'll stop there. Uh, notice I said wife, spouse, okay? Not outside of marriage. Anyway, that's another, another thing for things I wish my pastor would or wouldn't say. Anyway, uh, God is inviting us to an intentionality behind that. He's going, when are you setting time aside to commune with me? to be in my word, to look at each other eye to eye where you can hear me and I can hear you. Number three, and this is my final point, and that's this, set the tone to your life of prayer. First Thessalonians shows us that the tone of our life of prayer is rooted in a gratitude towards Jesus. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all things. I want to rectify that. It's in all things, not for all things. Because some of us hear that and you're like, oh, so you want me to thank God for the fact that I got rear-ended yesterday, right? Like, I'm talking to you, Christy. I get it. Sorry. Sorry about that. (laughs) Poor Christy got rear-ended yesterday. Ask Brian and Christy about that and go give them some hugs and loves, okay? Um, But like, are you saying I got to be grateful for the bad thing? No, no. I'm saying in the midst of my hardship, the tone to my life of prayer is going to be one of gratitude for who he is and what he's done for me. Because gratitude positions us to approach the throne room of God as, oh man, I got to be careful with how I say this, as as people that are intending to relate as opposed to get results from God. Uh-huh. And yes, there is a time and place for all of us, whether you, especially those of us that are newer to faith, where you kind of just ramble at God, right? Have you ever been there? And even those of us that have walked with God for a while, have you ever just had those moments where you just kind of go, right? Like, and, you, and he just hears you, right? But, but as we grow and as we mature, and Sophia preached about this during our worship series, there's a protocol to where, how I approach divinity and royalhood and royalty, right? There's, there's there, this presence in a sense has a protocol. Now it's not religion, but you're going to hear me say this all the time. It is a reverence. When I approach the throne room of God, I can do so knowing that he will reward those who earnestly and diligently seek him, but there's a tone that I set, that I'm rejoicing always, that I'm praying without ceasing, that I'm giving thanks in all circumstances, but here's, here's the hang up, and I got to correct something that I said last week. You know, last week I talked about how some of us liken prayer to like homeopathic care, right? And and that's why we pop Tylenols and ibuprofens because, but here's here's what I meant to say. Um, First of all, I got to say sorry to the people I offended, um, including my wife who has a a homeopathic business that she's starting. So please forgive me, babe. But what I meant to say was this is we address those things and we want them to be instant. 
Well, the homeopathic stuff's gonna work, it just might take some time because it's addressing a root cause rather than a symptom. And we address prayer sometimes that way. Well, it's not working because it's not instant. When it's trying to produce something greater in you. And we live in this microwave popcorn society. You've heard me talk. Let me help you out. Microwave popcorn is garbage. (laughs) Okay, I just want to, like, it's a new year, new you. Like, let me help your gut health out a little bit. Like, I know you think that when it says extra butter, it's not actually butter. And it's not cool when the label says, I can't believe it's not butter. Uh, Run. (laughs) How many of y'all know you fire up that stovetop? And I know this analogy might be a stretch, but track with me spiritually here. Like the fire of God gets fired up. And you throw in your ingredients. And, and if you're smart, you get that extra virgin olive oil up in there. Come on. Some of y'all don't know that secret. Come on. And, and, and it's like the anointing of God, right? Like, I know this is a stretch. I'm like, but like, just go with me on this. But, but this is not a joke. This is what we do. If we're, not, if we're impatient, we're so used to our microwave, we constantly lift the lid to check on it. And this is how we treat our prayer life. Well, God, I, I presented this request. What are you doing about it? What are you doing? Oh, the, the, I'm used to two-minute two microwave popcorn. Two-minute microwave prayer. And, well, he's not answering. So I'm going to go check back in. What, are you doing anything about this, God? And I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't want to discourage you, most of prayer has more to do with trusting and waiting for the process and what it produces in you than the end result of, quite frankly, cheap popcorn. Okay, I'm glad that was a good word. Band, come on up, because I'm ready to end. So when I set the tone to my life of prayer... It means, I re- hear, hear me, church, don't get distracted with them coming up. I know they're beautiful people, and they sing really well. But check this out. When I set the tone to my life of prayer, it means I refuse to allow my circumstances and my rushed culture to steal my gratitude, to steal my ability to go, man, and of course, you, you guys, I'm not talking about where, where, where your prayers always have to be uppity and going, Lord God, I thank you for this day, and what a beautiful day, right? And, and, and I'm singing in the rain, I'm singing in the rain, right? Like, what a glorious feeling. I'm, anybody, any music, musicals out there? Okay, sorry. Okay, I'm making a fool of myself up here. This is why Sophia sings and I don't. Uh, they used to stick me behind a drum cage so that I could be wild in there, right? But uh, I'm not saying every prayer is this beautiful, majestic, I'm singing in the rain. No, sometimes there are moments where even my gratitude is still presented in a prayer of lament, in a prayer of loss, in a prayer where I'm processing things. You've heard me preach on the book of Acts chapter 16, how Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, and you've heard me talk about how they were thrown into the inner dungeon and at midnight, right? So the darkest place in the darkest hour of the darkest place, they cry out, Did you know that the songs that they were singing were songs of lament? Their culture's worship at that time included, consisted mostly of songs of lament. 
And it was their song of lament. Here's what's beautiful. God didn't leave them stranded in that moment of lament. They begin to experience freedom. They begin to experience life transformation all around them. Of course, there's a time and place for songs of lament and prayers of lament. The Bible's filled with them. Don't blow past this. Sometimes the tone is set in a heart that's lamenting, that's in grief, that's in processing, that's in agony. Yet, hear me, church, yet they still experience hope and freedom. Notice that no lament prayer stayed as a constant state of stuck in lamenting. I want to encourage you to go read the Bible for yourself and notice how there's always a turning. The book of Psalms is filled with it, right? But you, O Lord, but you, O God, and then begins to experience who God is. So practically speaking, what is setting the tone in your prayer life look like? Maybe you've got to go home and start creating a, a worship playlist Fill the songs and talk about gratitude and you've got to get yourself into that vein. Perhaps it's you got to go and much like in your marriage, you got to start setting some time aside. You've got to make some intentional changes in your life to remove some things so that there's more space for God in it. I know that's not a popular message, but like in our day and age where you're constantly going more, 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 add, 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 and the pursuit of happiness looks like this, I'm actually telling you to do the opposite and remove some things so that there's more place and space for God to come and visit you. So I asked the band to close us out with this specific song that talks about making room, and I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And as they sing this song, you can have several options. You can sing with us and you can use this as a moment of meditation and, 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 and reflection to go, God, what are the areas of my life that I've got to look at today? If you need somebody to process this with, you can leave your seats and head on over to the back of the sanctuary where it says prayer corner. And we've got a team there of people that are willing to pray for you. They're not going to be weird. Their breath doesn't smell. There's breath mints back there. Like it's going to be great. Um, but, but I want to invite you, I want to invite you to create space and room right now in your mind to just simply be with God. You know, and I, and I want to remind you who you're crying out to. I want to remind you that we're called to abide and, and use this moment to abide in him, to let the words even of this song to wash over you, you abide in that and let that atmosphere begin to change in your heart as you begin to commune with him. So... Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.